Would you stand for the reading of the word? I was just asked from the tech team up top, how long is our scripture reading today? If you've been here the last two weeks, we've been in Revelation and Ezekiel and it was long, right? Here is our scripture reading for today, Proverbs chapter 11. Kind persons benefit themselves, but cruel people harm themselves. The word of God. You can be seated. And you're welcome, one verse today. Can it be as simple as what we read? Kind persons benefit themselves. Let's check a couple of other translations to make sure. That was the contemporary English Bible, but let's check uh, the good old King James, shall we? Let's go old school. The merciful man doth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Does that seem to make sense to everyone? Let's try another translation, the NIV. Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Seem clear? One more, let's give Eugene Peterson a try. When you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. It seems clear, right? Kindness is good. Cruelness is not. It's as simple as it's written in almost all the translations. Kindness, however, is not simply good for the world. Kindness is good for the person practicing it. I hope we notice that this morning. Kindness is good for me when I practice kindness. And uh, it supposedly brings a benefit to my heart and my soul and my mind, which is the entire person in the Hebrew scriptures. There's no other way to talk about this. So when I practice kindness, I am actually well in all the ways. Kindness, it's good for me. And the opposite of kindness is cruelty. And it's bad for all of us. It turns out kindness is a very good thing. And does this surprise anyone this morning? Tell the truth. Will anyone go to lunch and say, man, that was a difficult teaching today? Will anyone go to lunch and say, but I'm just not really sure if it's biblical. It just doesn't really sound like Jesus. Kindness is the right choice all the time. Is that true, church? So it is, we have a proverb today that makes tremendously good sense. Proverbs, they teach wisdom. That's why it's called wisdom material. Something wise that makes really good sense. It's not only practical, but it has a very good outcome. In the last few weeks, you may have noticed we've rearranged children's divisions. So the babies aren't where the babies used to be. They're in the other building and a little room rotation. It was in a meeting a few weeks ago that one of the parents said, you know, young parents with babies have strollers and bags and paraphernalia and walkie-talkies and social security cards and the FBI on speed dial. Like, why are we putting the young parents with the babies in the room where you have to go down all the steps to get in? Why don't we put them in the room where there's no steps across the way? So you could just push your stroller in the room and sit down and... Did it take us 50 years, really, to figure that out? <laughs> yes, it's wise, it just makes sense. This is what the Proverbs are. We should listen to the Proverbs as if there's a wise sage walking through town saying, observe this and see that. 
and notice the other. And when life is lived in this way, it turns out well. And when it's lived in that way, it's not so good. This is how we read the book of Proverbs. And in order for this to be good for us, we have to put it into practice. The assumption would be that we would all become walking Proverbs in God's world. Kindness is good for me, it turns out it's good for the people around me, but this morning, I'm really thinking about kindness being good for me. Now, surely we would expect Christians, this is basic, as I've already suggested, this is not new news, this is not difficult teaching, so if I walk around our neighborhood or the city of Riverside, if I run into a Christ follower, I would expect to find a kind person, right? I'm not saying, please hear me, that only people of faith or only Christians know how to be kind. No, 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 I am saying when I see one of you or us around, I would think, well, there is a kind person. Ruth Fagel, that's a kind person. The Minders, when I see you, the Tejadas, the Clisbys, when I see you around kind people, that would be the assumption. When I was a little girl and my mother would take me shopping with her, very frequently I remember after an interaction she would have with a stranger, I would say, Mama, that's a, that was a nice person. And my mother would say, most people are. Because I seem to be prepared for the opposite. And I was surprised again and again, there's another nice person and there's another, wow, there's a lot of them in the world. We would expect those of us who read scripture, who claim we live by the book, that when we run into each other, we've, we will find some of the kindest people around. When your pastors sat together and thought about the future of the Christian church and the Adventist denomination and our faith tradition and what makes us thrive, if you were here last week and we had Ezekiel's dry bones from Ezekiel chapter 37, what makes us thrive, what's necessary, what belongs in the formula for the future? Kindness made the list. Kindness made the list because we're reading reports that said America's manners and behaviors were at an all-time low. And church, that year was 2010. I'm telling you about a conversation your team had 10 years ago. 10 years ago, we thought kindness belonged on the list. We can argue with the perception that the world thinks Christians aren't that kind. We can argue with the studies and the research and the publications, we can shake our fingers and say, no, 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 you've just not met the people I know. We can shrug it off and say that it's not our problem. Still, what shall I tell the person down the street at Stater Brothers when I say, come, try, the, try, visit us. We'd love to greet you here. And the checker says, no, no, is it a church? Nope. I stay out of all of them because religion just teaches people to hate. Kindness, the Bible says. There's more than one way to go about this, but today I'm asking the question, is it just me? Am I the only person that senses I struggle to be kind? Or does anyone else also? After the week we've had in this world, is anyone else struggling to be kind? Proverbs eleven seventeen says, kind persons benefit themselves. The word kind is not simply nice. Can we pause there for a minute? To be nice is to be pleasant. 
To be nice is simply to be agreeable, even if you don't mean it. Everybody can be nice for a little while, right? Come on, you know how that goes. You can drop me in a room full of people who really irritate me, but I know how to be nice for a little while, so do you, right? That's nice. We're talking about kindness. It's a different word, and it's a deeper word, and it's a bigger word. To be kind means to be compassionate, to be humane, to be considerate, to be generous, to be gentle, to be empathetic. It's more than simply nice. It's a bigger word. The biblical kindness is a familiar word in the Bible in the Old Testament. More than 250 times we come across this word kindness. It's usually a word that belongs to God, but quite often it emerges in the lives of people. It's kindness in Genesis 19 that spares Lot's life. It's kindness that greets Moses at, the Mount, at Mount Sinai with the commandments. It's kindness Rahab exercises when the two spies come and they've broken all these laws. She treats them with kindness. It's also kindness they exercise back to her by allowing Rahab and her family to live. It's kindness that greets Jonah. It's kindness that helps jo Joseph in Egypt stay alive in Pharaoh's household. It's kindness in the prophets. By the time we get to Hosea, who has the unfaithful wife, it is kindness that she receives in return. It's kindness that Micah tells us we should exercise. Uh, he, God has shown you, O oh human, what to do. What does the Lord require of you? Do justice, love mercy. That's our kindness word. Walk humbly. Kindness is all through the Old Testament, more than 250 times. It's a big word. When I was 17, 18 years old, freshman in college at Walla Walla, it was my first Old Testament professor, Dr. Alden Thompson, who said, you need this word to survive. I still have a Bible on my shelves because Dr. Thompson told us to get a red pen and circle the word every time we found it in the Bible. You don't wanna do life without this word, without this idea. Usually though, this is a word about God and God's promises because God makes promises, God keeps promises. God's loving kindness will always be present for us. It's a God word. So there is more than one way we can talk about this, this week and next week, two weeks on the topic of kindness. The way I'd like to talk about it today, um, well, let me say this. If we simply read the examples of God's kindness and we say, do it because God does it, it's a mandate. God doesn't always feel like treating us with kindness as if we know what God feels. Different sermon. God keeps God's covenant promise always, so figure it out. It's a little like the parents' rules of the house, right? This is the rule, this is the way we do it because I'm the parent and I said so. You grew up with those, right? Some of you are still living with them, right? We could go that route, do it because God said so, but I'm not real great at coercive sermons and you're not real great at receiving them. We know this about ourselves. So I'd like to take the proverb very seriously. Kind persons benefit themselves. I would like to hear the proverb today, what does it mean for me if I operate kindness? 
What does it mean for, mean for me to treat myself well by behaving in kind ways? Hey friends, this is self-care. Where are you all my self-care friends? That's your buzzword. Yeah, I'm not gonna give you eye contact right now, but I know who you are. So go crazy, spoil yourself. Do a very indulgent, splurgent thing. Be kind. Come on, all of those of us who, you know, do our yoga and get rid of toxic people in our lives and we protest workaholics and that our lives are what we do instead of who we are. Well, here's a self-help text for all of us. Be kind because it's good for us. The wisdom writer says, be selfish on this idea. When we were on vacation in September, we were in a resort area and our daughters bought us this little spa package for this room. You can retreat anytime you want. About 20 hours out of the day, this space is open and they play this wonderful soundtrack and the scent is in the air, eucalyptus and all the things and lavender and there's birds chirping and water is flowing and no electronics and it's all quiet and, and I told my children, I don't really need that. Like, that's not my thing. Just give me a book and I can go sit outside. So, no, mom, you need this. Like, please don't tell me you spent money on this. Now I feel like I have to go every day, right? Crazy. Karina, I would get them, lay in those chairs at eight in the morning, completely adult zone. There's no, no noisy little things moving around. You lay there for an hour and you're like, oh my word, this is fantastic. Completely self-indulgent, complete total self-care for two wired, busy, crazy people in Riverside. The proverb says that if I would like to take care of myself, I should exercise kindness in the world. And then it doesn't tell me how to do it kind of drops us off, friends. There's no list. We can't keep going through pages in the Bible to find out exactly how do I do that. I wake up in the morning and say, well, good morning, and I smile, and I re repeat the word kind. I, there's, there's not a list. Last weekend, Kirby and I laughed so hard over this little movie. It's old movie. You've seen it, but we were, Steve Hemingway showed this. It was more fun watching Steve laugh over this the instructions on how to make a peanut butter sandwich. Step one, get two pieces of bread out. Got him. Get a butter knife and get some PB. Take one piece of bread, spread it around with the butter knife. No, Dad, with the peanut butter. I'm just doing what it says. It says, take one piece of bread, spread it around with the, bu with the butter knife. Hold on. Get some jelly, rub it on the other half of the bread. No, Dad, open the jelly. Well, it doesn't say to do that. Put the breads together on top of each other. Take a big bite. This doesn't taste like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Fail. Mmm, yeah, oh yeah. Mmm. Sorry, I had, to, I had to make it extremely specific. Oh good, I'm starving. Take two pieces of white bread out of the bag. 
Take the lid off the jar of peanut butter. Get a butter knife and stick it inside of the peanut butter jar. With the knife, scoop a bit of peanut butter out of the- A bit, that means like a lot. A bit means a lot? In my world. Spread your scoop of peanut butter onto one of your pieces of bread with a knife. All right. There we go. Doing better than before though. Open the jelly jar. Squeeze it onto the other piece of bread. No. Done. Closer. Get two pieces bread. Get some peanut butter. Take the peanut butter knife. Open the peanut butter. Put the knife in the PB. Get some jelly. Open the jelly. No. Squirt the jelly onto the bread. Take the butter knife with the peanut butter on it. Wipe it all over the piece of bread that's blank. Take the butter knife, rub the jelly all over the piece of bread. Oh, he's doing better. Oh. Says all over. Put the two pieces on top of each other. This is how I meant. Get two pieces of bread. Get some peanut butter. Get some jelly. Open the peanut butter. Get a butter knife. Put the butter knife in the peanut butter. Take the butter knife out of the peanut butter. You did it wrong. No. <laughs> take one piece of bread and take the butter knife that has the peanut butter on it and spread it all over the top of the piece of bread. That's the top. I mean the sides. Squirt some on another piece of bread. Take the butter knife, rub it all over the top of the piece of bread. I quit. You're not even making any sense. Zari ruined it on purpose. He knows how to make one. <laughs> I know Evan is the joke. It's the game that we're playing. Thank you, Steve. Come on. It could be like this with any Christian virtue we decide to develop. We don't have specific exact lists of what comes next. And in a world that's gone crazy for experiences, we right now want experiences in this life. And we are less patient for the hard, sacred work of allowing the spirit to cultivate something in us. It's Eugene Peterson's line, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's not an experience I'll have this afternoon specifically. So is it a list that we're supposed to make? If we decide, if I will do the very self-indulgent thing, the proverb says, be kind, it'll be good to me. What's the list I ought to make for this? Because Proverbs doesn't give us the instructions, neither do any of the other books of the Bible. In fact, listen how, to part, of, how part of chapter 11, uh, Proverbs 11, how it reads when we read all these instructions together. When you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. Bad work gets paid with bad check. Good work gets solid pay. Take your stand with God's loyal community and live or chase after phantoms of evil and die. 
God can't stand deceivers, but oh, how God relishes integrity. Count on this, the wicked won't get off scot-free, and God's loyal people will triumph. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout, it's a beautiful face on an empty head. The desires of good people lead straight to the best, but wicked ambition ends in angry frustration. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Curses on those who drive a hard bargain, blessings on all who play fair and square. The one who seeks good finds delight. The student of evil becomes evil. A life devoted to things, to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. Exploit or abuse your family and end up with a fistful of air. Common sense tells you it's a stupid way to live. We would understand exploit or abuse your family, but some of us find ourselves trapped in that cycle of exploiting and abusing our families. There, where's the list to help us? Where are our instructions? To get at this kindness, I think we sometimes then fill our calendars with kind things. So last week, a few of us students, Pastor Badim, Rita, delivered baskets to some of our homebound members. Beautiful, couple dozen baskets. That's a kind gesture, that's not only nice, that's kind, generous, compassionate, humane, empathetic. We fill our calendar with kind things. Random acts of kindness, the students on campus, they helped us deliver those baskets. Or this weekend, our La Sierra Academy students are in El Salvador. About 50 students this morning, the pictures were just coming through and coming through and coming through as they're building chicken coops and buying chickens and buying the feed and strengthening the lives of about 40 families in El Salvador because if they have the chickens and they can sell the eggs, they'll increase their family income by two to three times in a month. So we put kind activities on our calendars. This is how we get more kindness in our life. The Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, they've developed a website I love this, I love that it doesn't happen to be the Mormon church or the Mennonites or some other group of people, but the Adventists have a website you could go to if you want to think about how to have more kindness in your life. Whenpeoplearekind.org. On the website is a study guide, so if our small group wanted to study and think and imagine or if we wanted to know how to talk about this with our family, here's a whole website that helps us think about it and maybe gives us some instructions. I'm suggesting today that maybe kindness though is less a list that we make and it's more something inspired inside of us. When we receive kindness, it inspires us to be kind. When we see kindness, it inspires me to be kind. More than once this week, I felt myself in this world pulled, not just away from kindness, but into cruelty. So I'm, temp I'm tempted this morning to just pound us with stories of what cruelty looked like, but that's not inspiring. Wanna hear more stories of hate? That's not inspiring. 
We will grow our desire to be kind people when we are with kind people. And when we observe kindness in the world, when we take notice that it's happening and we name it. It's the woman on my street a couple of days ago walking her two little fluffy, I don't know, Pomeranians? Is that what they're called? She's in her 80s, well above my age, and her body is moving very slow, and I'm power walking with a podcast through my sculptured subdivision. And I I pause for a minute and look at this woman whose body is carefully bending over. What I hadn't noticed is that she's got little disposable gloves on her hands. And as she walks the street in our neighborhood with her dogs, She's got a little trash bag tucked into her belt and she's picking up the trash as she goes along. The trash I just walked over two miles ago. But it's not only that, when I come across her, she pauses and she looks up and looks into my eye and says, good morning. And I'm listening to a cool podcast and I really don't... Kind people inspire me to be more kind. She was the humane one in the neighborhood that day. What was the kind act? Taking care of her pet? Picking up other people's really yucky trash? With her body that doesn't bend so well? Looking me in the face and greeting me and asking me about my morning? Yes, all of the above. Kindness inspires kindness. That's what I'm noticing. The beginning of the week when I was struggling on this topic, I was even struggling thinking that this is a significant enough topic for us to talk about for two weeks over Thanksgiving. But is kindness really big enough for church for a couple of weeks? Is it it really, I don't know, maybe we need something more useful. Go back to Revelation and Ezekiel. And then I sat with the text this week Kindness is big. So if you came in today feeling a little judgmental in your own life, practicing kindness will soothe it. If you came in today feeling a little angry about our country and the world like I've been this week, practicing kindness will soothe it. If you came in feeling, um, you know, fear, if you came in feeling actual hate towards people who are different, When we choose kind acts, it will soften that fear and hate. If you came in today feeling lonely, it turns out kindness lessens my loneliness. If you came in today with gossip and a slander problem, you just wanna know the things. Practicing kindness will lessen that other drive and desire. If you came in today overloaded, by your own negative personal chaos, choices you made, choices you fell victim to, it turns out kind actions on our part will lessen that chaos. Become a kind soul, the wisdom writer says. I ended the week wanting to be kinder and I want my church to be kinder. It was years ago when some faculty members on campus having dinner with my husband and myself, they asked when our daughters were much younger, maybe the ages of Corinna and Leah getting baptized today, if Corinna and Leah grow up and all they are in the world is kind, would that be enough? Would we feel like we've done our jobs? 
Would the Brand and Kritzinger families feel like they've parented well if all the kids are are kind in this world? If the church had a mission statement and all it says was, we will be a kind church. We will wear kindness like clothes and garments. It's the uh, Apostle Paul who says the fruit of the Spirit is something we wear like a garment. If the whole mission of the church was to wear kindness around the world, would that be enough, church? It turns out kindness is a large idea. And we are inspired to be kind when we see it. It's a little more Fred Rogers. It's a little more Fred Rogers in the world. The NBC News report a couple weeks ago talking about the making of this film commented that the producers of the movie are getting a lot of input from us, people taken by this. The input's coming back saying, we need more Mr. Rogers in our world. We need it more than we've ever had it before. We've all lost touch with each other, but it seems right now that Mr. Rogers does not have an obvious error. The producers say, this is what people are telling us. Mr. Rogers, the original show before endless streaming and Disney Plus, You've been binging, haven't you? Some of you, I know who you are. Before all of that, can you imagine the time when there was just national education television, 900 episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood from 1968 to 2001, and we know the show, we know the puppets and the music, and we know the extended interactions, we know the empathy with children and talking about feelings, and we also know during the civil rights era, stepping into the territory of putting his feet in the pool with a black man. We know Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers was not simply nice, he was kind. The show was created at a time that TV was speeding up. We find this interesting. In the 60s, the TV was speeding up. Yes, TV was getting faster and the competition was getting faster. Who's their competition, by the way? That was Mr. Rogers' competition. And they were talking quicker and their scenes were moving quicker and the action was happening and the songs were a faster tempo and the, the neighborhood was moving. Fred Rogers, this Presbyterian minister, however, had this technique of looking to the camera and slowing down and talking as if he knew exactly who was on the other side. And those of us listening as if he, he knew he was right in our home today while we're eating our Cheerios. How does he know what we're doing? They call it a parasocial relationship the host had with his audience. A patented, methodic delivery of connecting with his audience. It was a style that th thrived at a time when the rest of the world was speeding up. When they interviewed Mr. Rogers' wife, when the director of the film interviewed Mr. Rogers' wife, Joan, isn't she adorable? 89 years old. This is at the press junket in New York. She said, Mrs. Rogers says, it's important for everyone to know Fred Rogers was not a saint. Because if you think of him as a saint, 
then his message is unattainable. All of us can be kind. Fred Rogers says so. The wisdom of the Proverbs says so. Kind persons benefit themselves, but cruel people harm themselves. Amen.